All right, this is the, the fourth week of Advent, and uh, we're going to, as we have been, reading the lectionary passages for this week, starting in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when he, she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And she ha- he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Our New Testament reading is from the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Starting at the fifth verse. Consequently, when Christ came into the world... He said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And then finally, in Luke chapter 1. Did I start at 39? Okay, good. Just making sure. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent empty away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for these, your scriptures, that across the entirety of the Bible, you speak as the voice behind these many authors. There is one author that is you. 
And we pray that you would help us to hear, to understand, and to respond. Father, we pray that we would be like Mary, that we would hear the promise and believe and trust in its fulfillment, that we would see great things done to the praise of your name. Amen. This is, uh, this is the, f- the fourth week of Advent, and it's, uh, it's six days from Christmas, uh, as I'm sure you're all too aware, um, and, you know, Advent is about anticipation. It's not about fulfillment, not yet. You know, that's why our, our hymns our songs that we sing during Advent have those themes layered on top of those. We're not singing joy to the world. Not yet. Because uh, it's not Christmas. It's Advent. And, uh, you know, we live in a world that should make us hollowed out. Should make us longing for a filling up. And we live in a place in a time that is incredibly adept at distracting us from that. Um, But we live in a strange time. You know, 2020, February, whatever, March 2020, feels like so long ago that, uh, you know, we're, we're entering almost the second anniversary of the COVID pandemic. And we have been able to be taught some things. There has been things that have been unveiled in our hearts, in the life of our church, in the life of our culture at large. And if you pay attention, you and I, maybe this Advent and the one previous, have have more reason than ever to feel the longing and expectation, the anticipation of something else that needs to be completed and to be filled up. Um, This has been a weird, hard month for me and for my family. Um, I was coming in to Advent really excited for Christmas. I was like mentally and emotionally past Advent and right on Christmas Day, uh, well, maybe Christmas Eve, really like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and was very excited for this particular Christmas in a way that I have not been for, I don't know, a while. I've been tired coming into it, and I was looking forward to the rest of getting to be with my family uh, down in Atlanta, hang out with them for a week. Um, the whole thing just sort of sat in my mind as this golden, glittering landing place. And nothing has gone according to plan. Nothing has gone right. Um, my, from afar, we, we've watched my, my wife's grandfather decline very quickly. Um, and it's been hard to, to be so far away and to see this man 
who we love, obviously, I've not known him as nearly as long as my wife, but if you've been around our church for several years, you, you will have seen him before. He's just this, um, before masks were on everybody's faces, he, he had the biggest smile that you can, it doesn't seem humanly possible is what I'm saying. It's, it's too big. Seems tiring to be smiling that large. Um, and just the uh, sweetest man, um, which was huge for me because I had a, a grandfather-shaped hole in my life. My dad's dad died before I was born. And uh, my dad's mom, who provided so much warmth and affection, she died when I was pretty young. And he just sort of took me in into his love. And uh, we've just watched him kind of disappear. He's dementia and time has just slowly but all too quickly erased him. And so things were accelerating pretty quickly. And Friday, we decided Aaron needs to go up there now. Like he, she needs to fly up there. And it doesn't really matter how much it costs or anything. It just needs to happen. Um, this is not a great time for a pastor to be left at home with four kids. I'm busy. Um, I have things to do. But this is more important. And everything about Christmas that I was expecting got thrown up into the air and probably was gone. My wife left on Friday. Saturday morning, I got a call that one of my kids on the last day of school had a very close exposure to COVID. And so because they were only one week out from their second COVID shot, they're not considered fully vaccinated. They're in quarantine for at least a week. And I have to manage that by myself. And then this morning, my wife texted me about an hour and a half ago and her grandfather died. And I'm very grateful that she was there, um, certainly. But I'm feeling very far away. This morning I was out the door before my kids woke up so I could be here and set things up so I could go back home and be with them for a little bit. And before I could come back, I have to figure out, do I tell them that he's died? I can't tell them because I can't just say, like, yo, he died and uh, see you in a few hours. I can't do that. And what I'm saying is, in all of that, and each of you probably have more and worse things than that, those precise series of events are, are what Advent is about. We are in the darkest time of the year, literally. The solstice is coming up in a few days. The days are short. The night is long. And we are a people who live in a place and a time where we can turn on all the lights as much as we want and pretend the darkness has not pressed in upon us. But the truth is, the darkness is impinging upon all of our lives 
And Advent is about staring into the darkness. And to just plead for it to end. Mary's song here is a preemptive declaration of God's coming close. Now Mary, um, Mary doesn't get quite the attention she, she deserves in, in Protestant churches usually. We're too afraid of being Catholic that we just sort of give extra leeway and stay away. But Mary is deeply important. And this song that she sings, the Magnificat, is a piece of Christian liturgy down through the ages, not an exaltation of Mary, but an exaltation of what Mary sang. And Mary sings this song as somebody who is very aware of the darkness that is pressed in on the world. When the angel comes to her and summons her to this task, she is a young, very young, unmarried girl who is being asked to embrace a task that is unimaginable. There are no categories for what is being asked of her. And Mary assents at great cost to herself starting with her physical bodily existence and what it will mean to carry a child and moving on to what it means socially, what it means between her and Joseph who are meant to fulfill this betrothal contract, what it means in this society, what it might mean, what might be coming on the other side, which she, she's not God, she's not even a prophet, she doesn't know exactly how this looks, but what she's been told, she assents to. And you can see this conversation between her and Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who is herself, not in the same way, but herself, herself has miraculously conceived with John the Baptist. And Elizabeth recognizes from the outside what is going on inside Mary and calls out the blessedness of what is going on in her womb. And Mary's song points the way forward for us as people who are in some sense also waiting. Mary was waiting to see the outcome of what was developing inside of her in the first advent of Jesus. And we are the people of the second advent who are also waiting to see what the outcome might be. But the truth of what Mary sings makes the song appropriate for us as well. And her vision of what God is going to do in the world is incredibly important, especially for people like us. People like us who, who live often in comfort, who can manage the appearance of the darkness of the world. We need to hear how Mary characterizes the work that God does in Christ. Much of what you will see here 
focuses on the theme of lowliness. Mary repeatedly points out that God is acting on behalf of the poor, the hungry, the humble. And oftentimes, we sort of escape the full scope and hope of what Mary is singing because of where we live and the culture that we are embedded in, we are generally speaking not the kind of people that Mary is thinking of. Mary is not spiritualizing the poor. Mary is not spiritualizing or making an invisible virtue of humility. She is talking about people who have have no power in a society that is crushed and dominated by Rome and is run and controlled by people, a small group of people who have control over all of the religious and political wealth within Israel. And Mary sings that God has acted precisely on behalf of those people. And this is why, if you look at the story of the early Christian church, the place where the Christian message resounds the loudest is among the poor and the outcast. Because the people who first heard the message instinctively understood that Mary was singing for them. And that churches were places where they could have access to this God who would act on their behalf to elevate them, to give them justice, to fill their bellies, and to vindicate them, the ones who were previously thought forgotten. And why it's so important for us to listen to Mary is why we might get caught up in the sort of minor stratifications of American society, we largely are on the other side of that equation, taking in view the rest of the globe. We are the mighty. We are the exalted ones. We are the ones who are able in so many ways to push back and distract ourselves from all of the appearance of darkness and frailty in the world. But Mary tells us the truth. That God comes for the people who recognize what they are. God comes for the people who would say, this is me. I, I am... My instinctive reaction to the things that have happened in my family over the past few weeks is, this is not fair. This is not what I wanted. This, this should not be happening to me. I want to go home for Christmas because that is fun and I wanted that. Please give it to me now. Along with my binky and a nap. Look, I, I, I can't. Of course, some of the, the disappointment is I know it's okay to say, like, this is hard and this is not what I wanted. But it's also a, a, a pretty 
fair deal of selfishness and, and self-obsession. But we are taught and disciplined into that way of thinking from the moment we are born in this place. And the reality is that death is the most fair thing in the world. It's coming for everybody. Do you see what happens in our place and time? That things are so comfortable and so safe and so controlled and the place that we live that we can somehow think that this is not fair, that it should not be this. This should be happening to some place, somebody else. When the truth of the matter is that most of the rest of the world sees most of the time is, of course, death has happened to you. Death happens to everybody. Death is everywhere. It litters the landscape. The fact that this is the first significant person that my kids will know that has died is outrageous. I am not living and just now experiencing what is unfair. For the most of my life, I've been living an unfair life. But we expect that and demand that as our right, as an American, as a member of this good society, as a good person. This is what it should be for me. And this is what I'm saying is that perhaps over the past two years, we have been able to have the truth spoken to us. That we are not all that special. And we are not exempt, not forever. And what is so exhausting about the past two years is the unrelenting way that we have had that facade torn down. Like every single time, it feels like, okay, things are going back to where they were. We just say, nah, again. Again, start all over. The darkness is not an illusion. The darkness is what's real. And Advent was designed in our calendars so that we would find ourselves on our knees before God singing Mary's song. You and I were meant to long for the day when all of this stops forever. You and I were meant for the day when that person that we lost, when the relationships that were fractured, when the true poverty of our souls is relieved forever. And if you and I continue to persistently delude ourselves and to live for our own comfort and to make a tiny little segment, a little square that Jesus can sort of fit into as an addition to a nice life and a comfort and Sundays are a, a nice show that you come to once a week 
every other week, once a month, whatever. If that's all that Jesus is for you, then you do not understand Mary's song. You cannot sing it with any integrity. And you ought to hear a warning in her song that you are missing out on what God wants to do for you on your behalf. But you and I were meant to look at the darkness pressing in around us to recognize our humble and lowly estate and to declare, to confess, to plead. Only one person can come and make that right. And we know that person. It is Jesus himself that has in fact pressed in to the middle of our darkness and invaded us once in promise that he will complete what he has started. And we cannot find our hope anywhere else. We have to find ourselves in the position that the disciples found themselves in when people were abandoning Jesus because they didn't like the way that he was talking. He was a bit too weird, a bit too demanding, and Jesus looks at them and says, are you going to leave as well? And Peter says, where else can we go? You alone have the words of life. We have to hear Mary's song and to sing it with her because we have to say, you're the only one that can bear the strength of your arm and, and lift up the lowly, fill the hungry, bring down the proud. We live at your mercy and we need you to have mercy on us and fulfill what you have promised. The prophecy that we read from the book of Micah is of this just not quite strong enough town where the God of Israel emerges as the great shepherd of his people and scoops up his little sheep and lambs and rules as the king who would take care of the vulnerable and the defenseless. Jesus is that shepherd king. And to understand the totality of what he offers to you, you must not only see him as that, but be able to tell the truth about yourself. Jesus is not looking to be an accessory in light of the season an ornament hanging off the side of your tree. Jesus is not the addition, the nice sheen to your life. Jesus is not meant to be a social club. Jesus is not meant to be an obligation that you fulfill. Jesus is meant to be the only central supporting post of all of your hopes. And were he taken away from you, the whole thing would collapse.
if you've come here today and you are tired, if you are wounded and fragile, and the strength that people perceive you in you is only skin deep, and you know it. The good news is you are precisely the kind of person that Jesus came to save. You are precisely the kind of person that Jesus loves. So if you are six days out from Christmas and not exactly sure how you're going to hold it together with all your grief and sorrow and all your fears, I would invite you to sing Mary's song because that song was meant for you. But if you are here today and you are recognizing that you have come here out of duty, habit, social convention, but by and large, you're pretty fine with the way that life is going. And you're pretty fine managing all of your hopes and fears. Then you need to understand what this song is telling you. And you should take heed. Because God comes for the humble. And he opposes the proud. Not because he is afraid of you or because he is threatened by you or can't handle any challengers like you, but because if you live in the pride of your own self-sufficiency, you will destroy yourself under the weight of your own strength. And God loves you too much to just let you go by doing. So if you continue living in the pride of your own self-determination, God will oppose you, but only because he wants to bring you home. So my invitation to you is to read and to sing Mary's song and to find there the way in to God's favor and rest which is just surrender. Just surrender. The darkness is gathering around us, my friends. But the truth is that God is faithful to his, to his covenant. He has been faithful to our fathers, to Abraham. And he will continue to be faithful so that one day, the day that we long for, the real light of the world will turn on the true light forever. The darkness will be banished and all of our artificial self-comfort will be dispensed with. And we will live in the light of God's face forever as death and darkness itself is destroyed. And we live in the great city of God with no need for any sun or moon because we live under his light. That is the advent that we are longing for. Empty your hands, 
and that you might embrace all of that that God gives to his lowly and humble people. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that Mary's song can be our song. Mary's song ought to be our song. God, we, we are hungry. I need you to fill us with good things. God, we, we have taken comfort in our own riches or in the fantasy of obtaining more. And the truth is, there is a poverty in us that only you can alleviate. And Father, I pray that you would help us. God, we are so distractible and distracted. We are so focused on what the, the world would have us see and have our hearts fixed upon. But Father, I pray that we would be a people of ascent, that we would hear the proclamation that God wants to fill up his people with his own life and we would throw our hands open and say, we don't even know the entirety of what that looks like in our life now and going forward, but yes, let it be unto me as you've proclaimed. Father, I pray for those who are coming in to this end of this Advent season, coming into Christmas, who are lonely, tired, distraught, grieving, sad, frail. And Father, I pray that they know that they are welcomed by you and welcomed straight to your side. Help them to know and to see that your eye is especially on those who are downtrodden like them. Father, I pray for, for those of us who do a really good job living by the power of our own strength, who live out of our pride, even if we wouldn't even acknowledge it. We have a confidence in ourselves that is inappropriate. I pray that you would help us to hear the invitation and to respond. God, we thank you that Jesus in his first coming assures us that God is with us. And I thank you that we can look forward to his second coming with anticipation, that we can tell the truth about the world and about ourselves, and we can look forward with anticipation and truly and really pray, come Lord Jesus, come and, come and finish, come and fill us up, come Lord Jesus. And we can pray that for the entirety of our lives in confidence that you will answer that prayer and make all things right. Thank you for that, Lord God. Make us into an Advent people who pray that prayer more honestly and faithfully. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.